Where does character come from? Is it born or bred, inherited or built? Perhaps for today's guest, it was nurtured through the selfless and courageous actions of his mother. You can't tell the story of Roderick Sewell without starting with his mother, Marion Jackson. When her son was born missing both tibias, she had to make the decision to keep his legs and confine him to a wheelchair or amputate and reach for a chance at a more normal life with prosthetics. Faced with the insurmountable cost, however, she braved a second decision to quit her modest but stable job so that California Children's Services would pay for the prosthetics and give Roderick a chance at walking, and who knows, maybe even more. The sacrifice that she made had the inseparable pair dipping in and out of homeless shelters in San Diego. Spotted one day at a train stop by a representative from Challenged Athletes Foundation, Roderick was introduced to a brand new world of athletics which would later land him on the U.S. Para Swimming Team at the 2014 Pan Pacific Para Swimming Championships where he won both gold and bronze, as well as carry him across the finish line as the very first bilateral above-the-knee amputee to finish Kona, the Ironman World Championships. Roderick and Marion are an incredibly inspiring, amazing mother-son duo, and he wouldn't mind me telling you that he owes her everything and wants the world to know it. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Bousseau, coming to you from the snow-dusted hills of Broomfield, Colorado. It is February 9th, 2021, and this is episode 31. How you doing, Roderick? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing great, man. It is so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And you got, I've, I've been, I love doing the the shows because I, I just get to learn so much about people that I probably otherwise wouldn't have come in contact with or crossed paths with. And so I've been living in your story and your world for the last couple of days here, man. And I, I can't wait to to unpack some of your life and and some of your accomplishments. And I mean, it sounds to me like the the story is just barely being written right now. So you got a whole lot of life in front of you. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Cool. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. I Indeed. appreciate it. Yeah. So we have Roderick Sewell here on the podcast today. Um, and Roderick, I think you're, to, to this point, probably your biggest claim to fame um, would be the first, and, and as far as I know, the only so far above the knee amputee to finish Kona um, Ironman World Championships. So yes, that, that would, that would be my, uh, one of my biggest highlights. <laughs> yeah, sure. there you go. So I didn't, you know, I never put it together until I, I was, um, uh, maybe it was the Ironman video, but being an above the knee amputee, you don't have quads or hamstrings, right? right. So yeah. that's, I mean, so you're basically running on basically with hip flexors and, and, uh, and glutes. Is that, I mean, is that basically... So I'm amputated right above the knee. Okay. Um, so I have some of that muscle in the back of my leg to, okay. to support me, um, as well as the hip and the the glutes. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I was so comfortable in my prosthetics that I was, uh, you know, able to do a little bit more than I expected. Okay. Um, and that was the best best fit I've had. The best fit you have you've had with the prosthetics. Yes. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. How long, um, well, let's, I mean, let's, let's, I guess, go all the way back to the very beginning. So you were born, um, was it without tibias? I'm, I'm so bad at anatomy. <laughs> so, um, so you're born without tibias mm-hmm. and then you have to, your mom has to make this decision around, you know, basically what to do here. Do you, you know, mm-hmm. confine to a wheelchair? Do we amputate? Do we, you know, uh, 
I don't, I don't think there was any other implants that could have been done at the time, but, um, um, so your mom and, uh, uh, and you're you're obviously way too young. At what age were you when this decision is made? I was a year and a half. Okay. Actually, she decided a few months before then, and I had my legs amputated at a year and a half. Okay. And you're kind of racing the clock, I would assume. It, it, like at some point, they want to do it sooner than later, right? I mean, they don't, you know, I mean, the, the earlier you do it, probably the better, I would assume. For sure. She got, you know, multiple recommendations um, and she was told that there is a life available for your son as an amputee walking on prosthetics. Yeah, um, it, It's something she was, you know, very new to. She didn't really see it that often. Um, yeah. But, you know, the doctors, they, she trusted them. Uh, she saw what was possible or capable for me. Um, so she took a leap of faith on that one. That's crazy. That is crazy because, I mean, it's easy to look back now at the life that has unfolded. How are you about 30 ish? Is that about 28? 28. 28 yeah, okay. <laughs> cool. I won't, I won't age you then. Um, but you know, I mean, it's easy to look back then at the, you know, the 28 year old version of yourself and having finished Kona and, you know, Paralympics and, and everything else. I mean, it's, it's easy to look at that and say, yeah, of course that was the decision you make. But the, the alternative story is, you know, you're, um, you know, amputated, you never learn to really walk, you don't have a full life. I mean, there's all that side of the fear and the the risk, I guess, of a, of a life not lived the way that you've lived it. Um, I can't imagine that that was an easy decision for her. Uh, you're, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, she, you know, we lived in San Diego at the time, um, usually in the downtown area. Okay. And uh, she saw multiple people who were amputees, but, you know, they're either still in wheelchairs or they're still, you know, in a situation where they have to ask for help yeah. all the time, you know, or, or really, you know, begging. Um, and that was just the fear of, of not just her, but everyone in my family, yeah. you know, because I had been known as that child with no legs to everyone. And for my family, they got used to it. You know, it was just other individuals who hadn't seen it on a regular basis that were like, okay, what, what can be of this child? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no Oscar Pistorius at this time out there, you know, and, and like there's, right, exactly. you know, it's, it's sort of, again, it's easy in retrospect, but it's, God, I just can't even imagine making that decision as a, as a parent to do that. Right. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's a huge sacrifice, yeah. um, but one that has truly paid off. Without a doubt. Was she thinking or or were the doctors, I guess, advising her around um, athletics and that type of thing? Or was it more just like, an, this is going to be the most ordinary life? This was less about athletics, more of um, this is a possibility. Okay. You know, you have an option here or you can, you know, pursue this option. Yeah. Um, and it was just... It was her curiosity, I think, and the unknown that had her like, okay, let's give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. um, what, uh, uh, I just completely lost the question. This keeps happening to me. I don't know if it's the cold outside. It's freezing here in Colorado <laughs> today. I think it's like nine <laughs> degrees up here. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I was out earlier. Um, what was I going to say about the, on the amputee? Oh, was she, was she athletic? Was she an athlete? Was she a runner or anything? She was very athletic. Um, okay. My mom loved to play tennis. Uh, she what was another sport she did. She loved swimming. Um, she was born in Florida. So, okay. you know, being surrounded by water, they, 
they kind of have to swim. Um, I'm trying to think what was another sport she did. Not, nothing at a high level, but very active. Yeah. She was always going. Yeah. Did she drive you like when you were growing up and, and with the prosthetics, was it, was it something where she was always trying to push you out of the nest in terms of out of your comfort zone and get you to run and do these things? Or were you just a kid? Like I got legs now I'm running. You know, <laughs> It was, um, cause obviously I started with the walking legs sure. and you know, I'm growing up with these pairs. So, you know, it'd be a couple times a year where I'm going in to get new sockets made and, uh, and changing my length and, um, she, she pushed me to, to be comfortable okay. it because it, it was so different to everyone young and old, you know, it didn't matter the, like, there was no exposure to that. I didn't see any other amputees in my neighborhood yeah. whatsoever, yeah. you know? Um, so she made sure that I was comfortable in the skin I was in Yeah, and it was hard on her and me to, to really get past that point. I think at such a young age, um, but uh, it benefited everything else I did. Um, it- so when I got, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please go, please continue. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, as time went on, I grew in, and got more comfortable with the walking legs. But once I met CAF and they got my first pair of running blades is when things really just completely changed. You That's know? awesome. When, when were you yeah. exposed to CAF? So I was, um, I, I guess I was seven going on eight. Oh, that early. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very young. Okay, great. Did you, um, like, was it cool? Like, were you like the robot kid? Did people like, did your friends think it was awesome or did you get razzed about it? Or was it a combination of both? It was definitely a combination. Okay. You know, to, to some kids, I was the cool kid. Okay. You know, I was like, (laughs) to them, it was like, oh my God, we're going to hang around this guy. Yeah. Cause he just looks different. It's something different. It's something new to them. Yeah, because it's been um, like Terminator, right? I mean, about the same kind of time, like, you know, as you're growing up with movies like right. that, you know, you're like this cyborg. You know what? And I didn't realize how much of like a like a weapon I had on me at the time. <laughs> that, you know? Like I used to sit in classes and just break pencils in between my knees oh, all the hilarious. time. And I'm, I'm just thinking, about that. that's somebody's finger? This could be really bad. Like there this would be a situation. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, I was... I was just looking for friends. I was cool with yeah. whoever was cool with being with me, how I was. Um, so, you know, I definitely got bullied. I definitely got the whole like, oh, this is, you know, the robot kid. But uh, in that same respect, I had friends who were the best, you know, yeah. so, like they're around all the time. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, like you look at, um, are you familiar with Anthony Robles who wrestled for Arizona State? Yes. Yeah. Sure. You, know, you know, you get a guy like that where, um, and Oscar Pistorius had to deal with a lot of this um, as well, where like in some ways, some people are seeing this. So Anthony had to deal with this constantly where like his legacy of are you, you know, you're missing a leg. And so in wrestling where it's all weight class, weight class based, mm-hmm. you know, you have this massive advantage. And me as a former wrestler, like, dude, if, you, if you're missing a leg, I don't care how strong you are, that's not an advantage. Do you see, like, in, do you see in any way, shape, or form, um, and I'm not trying to lead the witness, you may absolutely see advantages in your situation, but do you see it any, in any way where um, the amputation gave you advantages in, in, in sports and, like, a mindset or that type of thing? Um, I would say... Now, mindset, I feel like is a different yeah, scenario, sure. but yeah. when it comes to, I wouldn't say it's an advantage or a disadvantage. Um, 
Like it, I have a friend who is living in Alabama. His name's Hassan Hawthorne. Um, he's been resting for years, double above knee amputee. Okay. And because he's naturally just upper body built, right. core built, he's strong. But his weight class is not necessarily the weight class he would be in if he had his full limbs, right? Right. Um, so is it unfair that he's wrestling somebody who is smaller yet has limbs and is towering over him? Right. While he is stronger, but at the same time, he's lower to the ground. He's easier to get off unstable, you know, whatever the situation might be. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, you know, you have what you have and you refine it. You, yep. you really master it. And then it, it usually pays off in your favor. <laughs> so I wouldn't call it an advantage or a disadvantage. Yeah. It's just it's just a difference. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into the mental side as we get a little bit more into your into your racing career. So, um, so you're living in San Diego. You're growing up. Um, you know, your mom is is wanting nothing but the best for you and, and all of that stuff. Um, and I I read some of this, and and so I, I do want to talk a little bit about it, and not to get political about it at all. But your mom had to quit her job in order to claim unemployment so that you could afford the was it the prosthetics or the operation or both it was to it was more so for insurance so yeah. that we can get full coverage um the the insurance that my mom had didn't cover durable uh, medical equipment so the yeah. best thing she could think was if i let my job go i'll get this this basic insurance and he can get durable medical equipment to get the prosthetics going. Yeah. Which is bonkers. I mean, it's just crazy. Like it, it just, you know, that's one of the things where again, you know, not to get, not to get political about this stuff, but you hear stories like this and it's just like that, that is a system clearly not working. Right. I mean, that, that is just, it's just bonkers. But so, so she takes this, like, I mean, again, once again, a leap of faith because it's not mm -hmm. like she said at this time, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to quit my job and Roderick's going to get what he needs. And then one day he'll complete Kona and have, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't even know what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's just to give your kid some level of advantage or normalcy, I guess, in his, in his right. life, you know, what was the, um, I mean, have you ever talked to her about that? Like, would, you know, about anything? Obviously, she, she, you know, I mean, she wouldn't have any regrets about it or anything. But, like, the idea of having to basically, um, I don't know, there's certainly, there's like a level of dignity that she had to give up in order to do this, right? It wasn't like mm -hmm. she was just making a normal sacrifice, like I have to work harder or whatever. She literally has to take a step back in life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Have you talked to her about that? I mean, is that something like, I mean, I don't even know how you thank a parent for making that kind of sacrifice. That kind of, such a sacrifice, not knowing what, what would come of it. You it's know? crazy. Um, we've definitely, you know, I feel like it's been a, a for me, a lifelong conversation. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, I, cause I, I, there's not, the only way I can see myself showing any gratitude to her is to like keep reminding people this is why I'm here today you know mm -hmm. yeah like she was she was my rock a long time before I knew how to be my own yeah before Iron Man all this stuff you know and having her do something like that and then I I usually come to her like why because we definitely went through a lot of our trials and tribulations because of that choice you know yeah and um she you know, this is one thing we don't talk about a lot, but my mom had six miscarriages before she had me. Wow. 
Um, and she was just happy to have her baby. You know, she was like, whatever, whatever it takes, however it is, like, this is my child. You're the golden child. <laughs> she made me feel that way for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah, just, there's no way there's no, you know, I, and I, I really stress this story because I, I want people to look at it, not from my point of view of like this child who was, you know, growing up with his mom, had to get his legs amputated. You know, she quit her job. He got his legs, they ended up homeless. Like my side is interesting, but to be a single parent yeah. and raising a child who has these needs that you have no idea, you know? Um, and then on top of that, losing everything you know, and still yeah. holding on, you know? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you say everything, right? But clearly everything was meaningless at that point. Like what she had was you. That was everything. And she didn't lose you. So, you know, I mean, it's, it does put it in, into a very, very different perspective when you approach it from her perspective of like, it's a house, it's a job, whatever. This is, this is you know, uh, at bat number seven where I hit this grand slam and have this beautiful baby boy. And it's like, I'm, I'm good, like whatever. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll figure the rest out, you know. So that sure. had to be just insanely, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, you talked about, you know, the, the level of bullying. I'm, I can't imagine it, it uh, resolved itself when you guys found yourselves homeless then. Um, that's got to be, like, did, did your friends and the people around you, were you able to stay in the same area? Did everybody know what was going on? No, nobody knew. That's nobody crazy. knew. We had family that had no idea wow. until uh, we got older. Um, yeah, we kept it very, it was, you know, it was very much a her and I, kind of our team up. That was the time where we really became partners was when yeah. things were the most rough, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had to definitely take on more responsibility uh, when it came to just how to act and, and, you know, realizing where we were and how we were living and their circumstances, circumstances that we were in. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we kept each other up is the best way I can say it. And, yeah around the time when it was the worst is when we got involved with CAF and I got active and uh, it was just a new world to both of us, you know, especially my mom. She had, she still had no idea what was going on with the legs that I had, right. you know, yeah. let alone racing chairs and hand cycles. And <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. So how did you, how did you hook up with CAF at that point? You're in San Diego, which was, man, that's a blessing in and of itself. Do you ever think like, had you been in, you know, I mean, even Phoenix, right? I mean, you you might not have ever ended up with a lot of these opportunities. For sure. I mean, you know, I was, yeah, that's definitely a blessing in disguise yeah. being in San Diego and that that being the headquarters for where CAF is, yeah. you know. Um, the way it happened, we were staying in, out of the shelter. Um, we were there for a few months and we were getting ready to catch a trolley from downtown. And I remember this lady ran across the train tracks. Her name was Marla Knox. And she worked with the Disabled Sports. Okay. Um, she ran across the tracks. Trains were coming from both directions. She she ran across, skipped both of them. Um, and she was like, have you heard of Challenge Athletes Foundation? And that, from that day on, we got interested. We knew we had to be, you know, there had to be something here. Yeah. Because this lady just ran across the tracks. Just, yeah. to, tell, just to tell us about this place. Um, so she introduced us to Tabby King. Um, Tabby introduced me to Rudy Garcia Tolson. Yeah. 
Um, and it just grew from there, you know, Rudy being the first other double above the amputee I've ever met. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I was eight, so he was 11 going on 12. Okay. And he's already big time, you know, he's been swimming. He said he's going to the Paralympics. Um, you know, this guy's doing triathlons galore already. It's crazy. And I'm just a new guy, like, holy crap, there's other people like me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Is he from San Diego? Is that where, is that where you guys met? Was he down there? We met in San Diego at a CAF event, but he was, he's from um, San Bernardino area. Okay. So like, I want to say like Riverside. Um, it's like an hour, I would say out of LA. Okay, cool. Yeah. And did you like, did you understand at the time? Like, I mean, you never know, like with, you know, at that age, you're seven, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, even, I mean, shoot, you're, you're just a kid. Like, did you, um, what were, like, what were you drawn to? Like, did you want to, were you like, I want to play football, like CAF, that's great and stuff, but I'm not really into this kind of thing. Or Rudy, that's great. You're doing triathlons, but I'm going to go, like, I want to go do something else. Or were you like, oh, this is pretty intriguing. I, I like what I'm seeing here. I, I jumped into everything I can do. Okay. Um, I wasn't necessarily like, oh, this sport I want. I was just happy to be active and yeah. be able to do anything. You yeah. know, I I got my first pair of running blades from CAF when I was 10. And, um, you know, for me to be able to run for the first time was mind-blowing. You know, I, I never wanted to wear my walking legs anymore. I yeah. only wanted to run everywhere. And then I got my first hand cycle from them around the same time. Um, so I got into hand cycling a little bit and it was just anything I can do, anything possible. What was it? What um, was a better feeling at the time? Like uh, running or, or cycling? Uh, for me, I think running just because yeah. it was, you know, I slide the legs on and go. Yeah. Um, cycling, I, you know, I was still very young. My bike was heavy. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it was a little difficult, but I had, I had fun with it whenever I got yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, and then the more I got involved and the more I kind of looked around to see what sports were going on, um, wheelchair basketball, I definitely took to. I loved, I loved playing wheelchair basketball. Okay. Um, and then swimming came last because I was terrified of the water for the <laughs> longest time. I was so afraid of the water. and uh, Terrified of I even sh- pool water, anything? Just, just Oh, I didn't, I didn't want to be anywhere near a body of water. Really? Okay. Yeah, was it was it so bad. For any good reason, or you just? Um, I heard that I had an incident when I was a baby, and I don't know if that's why, mm. but um, yeah, I think there's also, there's reasons why, like, I was afraid. I think there's reasons why my, I have cousins and aunts and uncles who are also afraid. You know, they didn't have access. There was nobody teaching people how to swim. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so I think there was a there was definitely levels to why, but because I didn't have legs was another just mental like I was like oh for sure like there's I'm black and I have no legs like there's no way I'm not meant to swim <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I thought I was like this has to be the case and I saw Rudy swim and I I was like this guy has no legs he can he can do it why can't I do it okay so there's one check yeah yeah and the, and then um i get the lessons from from caf actually they they sponsored my lessons i got coached by alan boissard 
who is still my swim coach to this day. If I have any questions, I go to him um, and his wife, Allison Terry. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just, once I learned and got comfortable, okay. I just took to it. So it wasn't necessarily like a fear of, um, I had this weird irrational fear because I'm the age where I saw Jaws when I was way too young. I remember seeing it in the theater, like my parents took this like six-year-old kid to Jaws. And then, oh. yeah, like the swimming pool. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I mean, you know, growing up in Phoenix, you swim like night and day and stuff. And once the sun went down in the swimming pool, mm-hmm. there was no way. I was freaked out. Like there's a shark in that pool. And you know there's zero chance there's of no a shark way. being right. in the swimming pool. But I was pretty damn sure there was a shark in that swimming pool. So was it just. I had my moments. Okay. So was it like. I definitely. Yeah. Was it a fear like drowning or just like the unknown or. Definitely drowning. Okay. Um. And I didn't have the, the shark fear until I did a triathlon for CAF. Okay. And there's <laughs> this friend of mine, his name is Joe McCarthy, um, swam for U.S. Paralympics. Okay. And, you know, he would mess with me every year. Every year we had the San Diego Triathlon Challenge. This is our biggest fundraiser of the year for CAF. Um, he's like, yeah, they just saw a great white out there in the water. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks. And I'm just like, oh my God, we're about to do this swim. You tell me this. And then I would just go home. And anytime I'm in the pool, I was like, I'm going to turn around and the shark's going to be there. Yeah. You just you know? hear it. Like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. You Knowing that, like, where would it come from? The drain? Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I would it's go. It's super rational. <laughs> we would, uh, we spent a lot of vacations over in Coronado um, growing up in oh, Phoenix. Nice. So we would just shoot over there. And, um, and I just had, like, if I'm swimming by myself, I just freak out. I just, with every stroke, it like intensifies this fear of a shark and, and that. So I finally figured out like, okay, like every hour on the hour, the lifeguards will jump in the water and swim to this buoy and back. Like it's just part of them keeping fresh or whatever. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'll follow them. Well, first off, they're way freaking faster. So I couldn't hang with any of them. But I'm swimming and I drag my feet to just like see how deep the water is. And I got hit by a stingray right through the top of the foot. So then, and I was sure that I just got my foot munched by a shark because it just, the pain was excruciating. So right. I think that was the last time I swam in the ocean. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I've been blessed. I haven't had any oh, situations like that whatsoever. Yeah, and it really wasn't that bad. I mean, it, it, it was like a, it was an intense pain, but yeah, I mean, of all things that could have happened, that's, that's not too terrible, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I get the fear of the water for sure. So anyway. Um, so you grow, you know, so, um, Rudy is kind of, you know, your, your guiding light, your mentor up this, this, this kind of chain of, of learning how to swim, bike and run. And, um, were you guys, um, being both above you, the, the knee amputees, very similar in that regard in terms of abilities and, and I guess challenges in front of you. So like, was he, was it sort of analog to, you know, like what you were going through, he was going through, and vice versa? In a way, yeah. You know, Rudy's uh, four years older than me, um, and so he had experienced more. But um, we definitely still just had some of the same same trials, same issues. And having him kind of already paved the way kind of gave me hope, like, okay, let me go do this as well. Yeah. You know? Um, and then that's when I got into wheelchair basketball. That's when I started swimming. Um, and those are really the two sports that I think stuck the most. Okay. Uh, track, I never really got into it. I loved just running, 
more distance running, but not necessarily 100 meter or 200 meter. That was never me. It's okay. more so than always, even since I was younger, I was always more like the long, long run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seeing him do it um, and, and knowing that it was possible really opened a lot of doors. Yeah. I was talking to um, Eric McIlvaney about that and just his journey. I mean, he was obviously much older. He was like mid-20s, I think, when when he stepped on the IED. Were you, did you kind of take to it like, uh, you know, a duck to water in terms of your ability to run in the blades? Was it pretty natural or did was there a lot of falling and things like that? Or Definitely, you know, not as much falling because I didn't have the knee to worry about. Okay. You know, because it's, it's just the socket, then the, the pylon, and then the foot. Okay. Right. The pylon being the pole in between. Okay. Um, and so I'm really, I'm swinging my legs around. I'm learning this new rhythm. Yeah. Cause I'm so used to walking forward with my walking legs. So I'm like, okay, I can't bend my legs anymore. I have to swing them around to run. Um, and I think it's because it was so different that I did it a lot. Okay. And I never wanted to really take them off. I wanted to get my body used to running this way. Also, you know, just to be able to jump up and go was always. Oh, man. It was the best. <laughs> That's got to be just like, I can't imagine what the analog would be. Um, I, I can't even imagine like the, the analogy for, you know, like all of a sudden you can run. Like it's not, you know, you could walk, but all of a sudden be, you know, it's got to be like that feeling when you're 16 and you get a car and you're like, or, or even more so like when you're a little kid and you get your first bike and all of a sudden you can go blocks away from your house and be in these different neighborhoods without parents and stuff. And it's just like, wow, what an amazing level of freedom I just found. Right. You know, that's had to have been just, man. So when you, um, so you're in high school or girl, you know, at what point do you start like putting together the whole triathlon or is it just other sports and life and things like that in between? Cause I didn't realize you were so young when you met up with, with CAF. Mm-hmm. Um, triathlon was more so something that I did with CAF. Okay. You know, like I said, we had our, our fundraiser every year, um, the San Diego Triathlon Challenge. And that was usually the third weekend of October. Um, so wherever I was, uh, whether I was living in California or um, around the time I was 11 or 12, we moved to Alabama. Okay. Um, so even when I was out there every year, I would come back and it'd be like just a, a meetup, like a huge reunion. And, um, yeah, so I only really did triathlons with CAF and I always, it was always a, uh, either relay or, okay. you know, so, or something like sprint. Okay. You know, so. So yeah. what you weren't like training year round as a little kid doing triathlons and like getting ready for this big challenge that you had. All that stuff. <laughs> no, you're no, just living no. your life and chasing girls and doing everything else. <laughs> I was, so when I moved to Alabama, uh, my mom and I were still, you know, living shelter to shelter okay. for a good six months. And so there wasn't really time to really think about sports. Um, but once we got settled and we, I remember we moved into the projects uh, in Forest Hills. Oh, uh, interesting, very interesting area, you know, loving people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's one thing I would say I miss is the Southern hospitality. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, it's definitely, it's, a huge difference from San Diego to yeah, Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so getting out there, we got settled. Um, we found the Lakeshore Foundation, which is a training facility for individuals with disabilities. Okay. Or not anybody that really wants to come in. And um, I got to wheelchair basketball again. I found a little group that was swimming and swam with them. Um, 
And I really just was trying to be, like you said, just a normal kid. Like I was going yeah. to school. I had to keep my grades up if I wanted to go play basketball, if I wanted to go swim. Um, and that was me for three or four years, just kind of living the normal life. And then at the same time, I'm watching Rudy just be the superstar. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's funny, too, that you end up back in, back in triathlon and Ironman having moved from, um, from San Diego, which is at the time certainly the mecca of triathlon, and then you go to Alabama, and then you come back to it. Because that had to have been, you know, your frame of reference is San Diego. So you moved to Alabama, and you're like, hey, where are all the triathletes? And it's not <laughs> it's a, very different. Not a big triathlon community, you know. No, not everybody's out running. Not everybody's lean. Yeah. <laughs> it's very different. Very, very different. Did you find that sort of a... I guess, did you recognize it at the time? And then did you find it a challenge to sort of maintain that healthy lifestyle? Because the um, South is very different, yeah. obviously. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, so we have family out there, okay. um, more on my dad's side. And I'm, I'm just exposed to a whole new way of cooking, a whole new way of food. And yeah. I definitely gained a lot of weight. Okay. <laughs> I, was a, I was a round child. You, know, you could talk to Bob Babbitt from CAF. We talked to Rudy about it. Yeah. I, was, I was big. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I once I got into sports and really got active, yeah, everything just kind of fell into place. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Um, so what at what point do you um, do you start looking at? Is that, did you did you stay in contact with Rudy that whole time when you when you moved to Alabama? Yeah. You know, so when I moved, I was uh, 11 going on 12. OK. Rudy had to be about 16 or okay. 10 to 16. And I believe when he was 16 is when he had his first games. Okay. Okay. Which was in Athens. Yeah, that was his first game. So that was 2000. I believe that was 2004. Okay. Right. Yeah. So he had to be. Yep. So he was 16. Okay. Um, And, you know, I'm still like trying to figure out what I want to do. Just being some kind of in some kind of sport. Yeah. Um, and to see him do that was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. like that's my friend. That's him up there. He's Pretty doing badass. this. He's setting the stage for me. For, for It didn't matter what kind of disability it was. You, yeah. were, you were seeing this guy. And regardless of what you were going through, you were like, okay, I can do it. Yeah, you know, wow. he, he, really, he really paved the way for a lot of people. I mean, that's like, you know, it's, it's interesting to think, and I, I asked Eric this question. Um, I had a guy, Bill Bucklew, who's um, suffering from Parkinson's, like early onset. He's, you know, he, he, he was first diagnosed in his late 30s. And this is always such a weird question, but, but I think it's a relevant question, which is, you know, is, is some part of you thankful or a big part of you or all of you or whatever thankful for all the things that you've you've gone through for a couple of reasons. One, you know, like you found something in yourself, like most of us are not challenged the way that you have been challenged in your life, um, certainly physically, but then all of the other things you've gone through. But then also you, all the people that you've been surrounded by, your mom first and foremost, and the examples that that have been set for you. Like, do you do you look at things and just like, I, I there's zero chance that I would change anything? Or were you like, you know, like- I definitely think- I feel like because of my circumstance, um, my life has a certain path, if that makes sense. And the people that I meet along this path are, are I'm meant to meet them for a reason. Yeah. You know, especially these lifelong friendships. Like Rudy and I have been friends for 20 years. We're yeah. still living together and training together. That's you hilarious. 
Um, I say that because I, I think he just pulled up, and just in case you hear anybody coming in, okay. it's, it's not construction. We'll have him stick um, his head in and say hi to the hi to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he. I think this is him anyway. That's but, funny. Uh, yeah, so you know, having these people, these examples along the way, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's what I needed, and to have that drive from the beginning, like, okay, this is the way I am, um, that's not going to stop me from living. Yeah, for sure. Know? And that's I feel like, you know, me having a disability, I've acknowledged what it is, but at the same time. I know what I'm capable of, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, sure. I, have, I, have, I have no problem saying that I have a disability or anybody who does to be, you know, if you're proud or not, like I know I am. Yeah. You know, because I've met and been attracted to these individuals. Yeah. It's funny because it's all sort of relative. Um, I used to I used to work out of the gym in Phoenix where um, there was a pickup basketball game and it was like Andre Hastings and Donovan McNabb and all these guys, like these NFL and NBA guys. And I'm looking at these guys on this court and I'm thinking like, I'm not the same, I'm not the same species as these guys. Like the speed and the, I mean, these are big dudes. Like you don't realize how big like Donovan McNabb is. You know, he just looks like a normal sized guy on TV, but then you see him, you know, running like a four, four up and down a basketball court. And like, it's like, it's just crazy to think the physical advantage that these guys have. And so whether it's a, you know, a disability in terms of an amputation of your legs or just, just the physical gifts that you were or were not born with, like you could look at everything as a positive or a negative or say that you're so disadvantaged or you're just saying, no, this is just the this is just the level where I am. And as you said earlier, like you just have to do the best with what you've been given, you know? Mm -hmm. So for sure. I mean, it's interesting to think like what you said earlier, like you have to feel some sense of destiny to your life in a way, you know, all the things that have lined up for you with your mom, you know, I mean the miscarriages, like it just feels like there's like this, there's, I don't know, there's like this, um, there's this force behind your life and all the things that you've been accomplished, uh, that you've been able to accomplish and stuff. Do you, do you have that sense in your head of like, I was, I'm, I'm really put here for some, for some reason. You know, I, I do have that, that thought process. Okay. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I, I realize that there's a bigger picture. There's always a bigger picture. And so when I, when I say that for myself, like I, I believe I'm put here for a reason. I, I also believe that at this point in time, every soul on this planet is put here for a reason. Yeah. You know? And so when people are looking at me like, Oh, you, you, you've done this, you've done that. Um, that's such an inspiration. I kind of look to them like, well, thank you. But you know, what does that do for you? Yeah. You know, how are you inspired when I'm not around? And yeah. how do you find that in yourself the same way I had to find it in myself? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the question that people once asked would be it's, it's all internal you know i feel like that work would be started or or progressive from that point um and that's just from my own my own experience do you like did do you think about those things actively like do you whether it's a vision board or dream board or whatever you know journaling or whatever but do you think about your higher purpose and actively pursue that in your actions 
I I definitely have to check myself. So I'm like, uh, you know, because I I believe this about myself, but I I like to see it in every individual that I talk to, you know. Um, and so it's 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 kind of like a, I'm honored that you see this in me because I see this in you, kind of thing. Yeah, I got it. Um, and and so because people are pushed by me or inspired by me, it makes me look at them like, okay, well that means that there's a reason why we spark. You know, there's a reason why we're connected at yeah. some point. And that's the same that I have in myself is in you. And I appreciate you seeing this in me because I see this in you the same. Huh. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You had a, a great quote. You were on the uh, Fox Sports um, uh, podcast. Um, I don't remember the gal's name. Uh, she's way prettier than I am. So I apologize <laughs> that I, I'm not w- able to fill those shoes. But um, you said that you live your life like your future wife and kids are watching which I thought was a really sure. cool, great line. Um, I just had a, a guy um, on uh, Jason um, Hardrath, who is like the king of FKTs, these um, fastest known time, big adventures out in the middle of nowhere. And he he kind of has a similar approach where he lives his life basically like a movie. So like if he's 100 miles in and sitting on a boulder laying down in the middle of the woods, like can't go on, he just he like pictures his life as this movie of like, what's the more interesting movie? The guy, you know, Mm -hmm. the scene where he goes back to his car and drives home or the one where he pushes through and perseveres and, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in whatever finishes or saves the girl or whatever. Do you have those kind of mental, um, exercises as you're competing or, um, like, you know, is that, is that, is that part of the philosophy that drives you forward in all of this? That's interesting because I've I've never heard of it that way, but it definitely even today was something that popped into my mind. Um, you know, we had a set today that was the total distance we swam was five thousand meters, and um, yeah, it was long. <laughs> it was a hard session this morning. Yeah. And I told you earlier I was not feeling well, so yeah. I, just, I just tried to keep quiet, keep my head down, and like just be ready to go. The value of having um, a coach of just pushing you through when you don't feel well, that is, uh, that's a special thing. So, so, but that, that mentality, like you said, like, would I rather be the one, would I rather see myself being the better or the worse, or yeah. I shouldn't say the worse or the less, you know, I want to see the best out of me. Yeah. Um, and so I just try to keep that in mind with each step, each movement. And it's hard, you know, it's very hard, but it's, it's, supposed to be, yeah. you know, you're, you're better on the other side once you're done. Yeah. I mean, there, it's funny, like there's, there's nothing like sports for pulling out a billion cliches that are all true. You know, it's like you, you, you don't get, uh, it never gets easier. You just get faster or those types of things, you know, where yeah. it's, it's, it's what I love about sports is they are literally built to test you. They are built to mm-hmm. let you find, you know, what you have inside of yourself and you don't have to be standing on a podium to, to have learned something about yourself or to, you know, to challenge yourself and one and, and all of those things. I definitely, you know what, I hear what you're saying because I, it's funny how certain things I say, I feel like, oh, that sounds cliche or it's not going to hit the same or, but it's, it's, it's the best way I can explain to somebody who's asking me my situation, yeah. you know, and especially when I view myself the same as like, I've always been on prosthetics these are my legs. So the same way your legs are your legs, you know, I don't view them any, any differently. Yeah. Um, but yet to any other individual, they're like, Oh my God, I can't imagine living my life that way. And I'm just like, well, actually, Hey, you can, like yeah. you could, if yeah. you really had to. 
Yeah. It's all on it's all on your mental your mental state, I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a silly distinction, but like you don't get plantar fasciitis or you don't get IT band syndrome and those types of things. You know, I mean, it's like you could choose to look at the you know only the negative or you know, I mean, there's. I'm not going to say it's necessarily a positive, but it doesn't always have to be, you know, like there are, again, I don't know if there are advantages or whatever, but there are differences. And that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind. There are good days and bad days for all individuals, you know, regardless of what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My wife keeps coming in and out of the room, trying to be stealthy. (laughs) It's it's very distracting to me. Um, The, um, um, Another quote that I love that you said is, um, uh, I think when, when, I don't know if it was a doctor had asked you or, or said something, but it was basically like, of course I can run. I just don't know how to yet. Um, mm-hmm. as a, as a little kid, when you were sort of going through this whole thing, um, again, like going, thinking about that little kid and kind of remembering where you were. And it seems like you've always had this very optimistic, mindset of like, no, 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 this is like this, this disability is temporary. I, I'm going to figure out how to overcome these types of things. Um, what, at what point do you start looking at big goals like Ironman and, and doing these other things? Uh, is this just kind of a natural thing? Like, is it something early on that you had seen with Rudy and thinking like, you know, let's go bigger, bigger, bigger kind of thing? Or, or where did that come from? Well, it was, you know, for me, growing up with a disability, um, I didn't view it that way only because I didn't see my life in any other way, shape or form. You know, there was, it started that way. Yeah. Um, So I was confused on why I was labeled something when I was born the same circumstance as somebody else who was just, you know, growing up as they are. Yeah. Um, So it took a while for me to understand that I was growing up without mm. is when one way I was exposed to. Um, so when that was expressed to me, and then I look around and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this, you know, I'm a, I am different from everybody else. Yeah. Um, you start to think, well, I, I, okay, I'm different. Yeah. Um, I am now okay with that, okay. <laughs> but w- where do I go from there? Yeah. Like why, why should my difference stop me from doing what I want to do? Yeah. or being who I want to be, you know, it's, it should be at that point on the mental state. Um, and for, you know, for me, it was, like I said, I was 12, 13, watching Rudy go to his first games. And um, actually when I was 16, I got gifted a grant to go watch Rudy compete in 2008. Yeah. And not specifically to watch him, but that's where I was going to see, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I got to see him get gold in his main event. Um, I got to watch the wheelchair basketball games, which I was still on the fence about what sport I wanted to compete in. Okay. Um, and so from there, I decided, okay, I'm going to choose swimming um, as opposed to wheelchair basketball. Okay. Only be, only because, you know, swimming was something I got into later and it's something that I could really see myself moving forward with. Um, so and not to say wheelchair basketball couldn't have taken off, yeah. but uh, I couldn't do both, you know, and swimming needed more. So... So you choose, is um, breaststroke your specialty? Yes, that's my focus. Is that, I mean, I'm not a swimmer. My kids were swimmers. I'm a, I, I did a bunch of triathlons, so I'm a, I'm a, 
like a longer distance open water type swimmer where you very little use of your legs, obviously, other than to just sort of balance your hips out. But, but breaststroke has a fair amount of that leg, that frog kick is a big mm -hmm. part of your propulsion, is it not? The kick is the one of the biggest parts of the <laughs> any kind of movement forward. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say it's 60% more kick, less pull. Wow. Um, but I think that's where technique comes in. I okay. think that's where just true, like just training commitment comes in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something that is difficult but can be perfected you know i would just and that's the one thing i would tell people is you know i talked to swimmers who said that the way that i swim is the way that they practice breaststroke you know they'll tie yeah. their legs or just make it so that they couldn't kick yeah um and they just feel like their pool and everything is so much stronger Interesting. from that and you know that's all it is 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 refining it and working on it to make yeah. it that faster stroke yeah. it might look different but that's that's our stroke you know yeah do you um like in Kona, did you did you swim freestyle for the entire swim, or did you did you flip switch it up much? No, I swam freestyle. The okay, time. I was yeah. wondering because because you're on a hand cycle, and freestyle sort of you know like you're mm -hmm. you're basically using the same muscles. Versus, I was wondering if you had like switched over to breaststroke or butterfly or something else to just work your muscles differently, knowing you had, you know, 112 mile bike ride in front of you, basically using those same freestyle type muscles. Well, the, the way I went into it was, you know, I noticed that most triathletes, um, you know, all their limbs regardless were they were always pulling during the swim, but never kicking. Okay. Right. So they would save their legs yeah. and then they would use their legs on the bike and the run and yeah. be gassed on the run, you right. know? True. So for me, the way I saw it was, okay, I'm just going to use my arms and my arms yeah. for the swim and the bike. Um, and then my legs will technically be fresh. They'll be totally. ready to go. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I knew my upper body could take it. And I knew that that's why I wanted to use that hand bike. Yeah. Um, and the, the swim was the fun part. You know, yeah. I, I, after 12 years of Paralympic training, you're like, okay. 2.4 miles swim. Let's no problem. Out the way. Yeah. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> but this is Kona. And of course, yeah. problems come up, <laughs> such as winds and yeah. waves. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, was that more of like a bilateral breathing type of thing where you could only breathe to one side because of the waves? Or was it? Uh... It wasn't bad until the end. Okay. It was maybe the last 20 minutes um, where I was breathing bilateral for the whole time. And then, at one point, I'm just like climbing over these these swells, and uh, yeah, I remember I, I usually breathe to the right, it's yeah. my primary. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would lean on the most. God, that's yeah, that's got to be just frustrating. When when you're out on the Queen K and you're on that that hand cycle, are you like? Is there a lot of? I mean, there the the I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars that have been invested in in making time trial bikes as aerodynamic as humanly possible. Um, the hand cycles and things like that, do you feel like they're pretty aerodynamic in terms of your position on the bike? Or are you limited in how aerodynamic you can be? I think the kneeler hand cycle, which is what I was using, okay. is less, actually, I don't think, I know it's very much less um, aerodynamic versus the recumbent. Okay. Um, the recumbent hand cycle, they're low to the ground. Um, they're very sleek. Yeah. Uh, you, you've seen those those bikes 
and the kneeler, you're really up almost like a, a, a sail in the wind. Yeah. You know, you're, you're really just in it and until you're down and you're resting or if you're in your wheel, but then you have to come right back up anyway. Got it. Are you, did, was, there, was there a conscious decision on, on one versus the other? I definitely wanted the kneeler. Okay. I didn't care if it was harder um, because I knew I could use my full body versus okay. doing the swim and then um, using a hand bike like a recumbent where yeah. the motion is kind of right here. Yeah. Um, you know, props to the guys that are doing the swim and then the hand bike and then a push rim chair. That's crazy. I, that's wild. That's yeah. so wild to me. Yeah, that is nuts. Um, so then on the run, so you get off the bike, and are you, like, is that, like, are you, I'm just trying to think of, like, abs and lower back and that type of thing coming off the, the hand cycle, uh, or then, uh, what do you call it again, a knee? Kneeler. Kneeler. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, are you, I mean, are you cooked on your your core and all that stuff? Or, I mean, at this point, you've just got enough training in that you're, it's no big deal. Right, ready for it. Um, my core and my lower back, definitely from the bike. Um, my lower back the most, because there, there's not much, uh, there's not much um, taking any shock down there in the lower back. So, any bumps, any, um, anything I'm feeling down there. Okay. Uh, so that was the toughest part. And then coming off the bike, I was just in that position for so long that I, once I got into my running legs, I kind of had to stretch and yeah. like maneuver and, and kind of get comfortable again. Um, but yeah, once I got going on the run, it was pretty solid momentum. Okay. Again, I hadn't used my legs um, most of the day. Yeah. Were you doing a lot of bricks and training? Were you pretty well prepared for that? I think so. Yeah. Uh, the swim was, we weren't worried about the swim whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and the bike was the main kind of just over my head um, because I didn't know if I would make the cutoff. Okay. I, wow. You know, I <laughs> I got the, the slot from Ironman, I think three months before the race. Wow. And then I got the right, uh, the, I got my bike, um, I think it was a month and a half, maybe before the race. Whoa. So it was, yeah, okay. it was very much, you know, I was, I was training on a hand cycle I had at my old uh, job called Tailwind Endurance. We used to train triathletes there. And while I was there, I used a hand bike. I had a friend of mine, Jeremy Richter, who let me borrow his kneeler hand cycle. And I'm just doing everything I can to get prepared for my bike to show up and start putting miles on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will it, does it do those, um, would it fit in like a normal, uh, indoor trainer? Like, could you use an indoor uh, trainer with it? It depends. Um, okay. most of them, some of them work. Uh, you really just have to turn the trainer around, but it depends on what kind of trainer. Okay. Um, the, the Wahoo kickers are pretty good. Okay. Um, the snap I, I really like, um, and there are other ones out there, but I haven't used them all. Got it. So where were you living at this time? Were you back in San Diego at, at this point? So training for Kona, I was living in New York. Oh, perfect. Great. <laughs> like Manhattan, New York? <laughs> I was living in Brooklyn, but okay. pretty much training in Manhattan. Oh, gee, where are you even going riding there? I mean, are there enough places um, to ride yeah. around, like little pathways and stuff? You have Central Park and Central Park. And, uh, <laughs> and Central Park. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I put in a lot of laps around there. Wow. Whether it was running or, or cycling. 
oh my God, you had to have just wanted to like kill yourself after the last lap you <laughs> rode there. I mean, it's gr- I mean, look, I love Central Park. Who doesn't? It's beautiful, but like the idea that okay, another here goes one. another, another, here goes yeah. another. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I kept myself occupied. If yeah. I wasn't listening to music, I was listening to a podcast or yeah. audiobook, or sometimes I just like to be out. And just riding and, and people watch, you know. Just, yeah. Because like, that's the one place, like being an amputee, like I'm, I've had people look at my legs and then completely look away. They're like unfazed and like, oh, okay, this is, this is uh, the place to be. Oh, <laughs> like in a good way. Like, okay, like, yeah, oh, whatever. yeah. Okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, good. there's so whatever about, like, you just see some of the randomest oh, things just all yeah. the time. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you'd you'd had to like had rats for feet or something, you know, like to get noticed in New York. <laughs> to be like, huh, yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. And then it might last five minutes, and then everybody's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. So when you were when you were thinking about um, doing Kona, it sounds to me like you were just like, I want to do Kona versus. I mean, I know you knew the significance of it in terms of you know first below the knee amputee, and I know that Rudy had tried it and and not not finished, not made the cutoff, but like, were you, were you thinking to yourself, I want to do Kona or was it, I want to do Kona and be the first below the knee or above the knee amputee or whatever. Or was it just like, no, man, I just want to go do Kona because it looks awesome. It was, you know, I, I remember in 2009, um, I saw Rudy compete in the Ironman and he attempted Kona. Um, and I remember how he felt when he had missed a bike cutoff for, for you know, by 15 minutes. Um, and by this time, Rudy's a two-time Paralympian, you know, superstar. Yeah. And I remember him attempting this, uh, I think he was 21, so I had to be 17. And he was just so, like, he felt defeated. And I was like, to me, I'm like, how could you, you know, for one, you shouldn't feel defeated. You're already, like, this big time. But for two, like, um, you know, why would you, why would you feel that way? Yeah. You know, and I think for him, it was just, it was something to conquer, um, which is as funny that five weeks later, he becomes the first bilateral amputee, above knee amputee to finish an Ironman. Um, you know, to jump up and do it again, I would yeah. have not done an Ironman anytime after Kona. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like four weeks, five weeks, whatever. I was, I was done. No kidding. Um, so for him to do that again and, and make that that stand, I was like, wow. You know, I remember being 17 thinking like, yeah, this is this is pretty amazing. Um, and so I knew, you know, if I had ever attempted Kona, what it meant. Um, and so once I got the slot, it was more so like accepting the challenge. And um, yeah, I knew it was, I knew what it stood for because I knew how I felt when I saw Rudy finish. So I knew what yeah. impact this would have on others who, who are watching, you know? And, and how much of that, like, do you carry with you as you're racing and you're, you know, I know you, you got sick a couple times on the, was it on the bike? Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Got, yeah. Was it just, was it your nutrition just not agreeing with you? Is there something in that motion where you're sort of, you know, like bobbing up and down with the thing or, or with the, with the hand cycle? I think I was just very overexcited. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, very like, I was too much like, oh, it's been 30 minutes. I need to eat. Oh, it's yeah. been uh, 15 minutes. I need to drink. Yeah. Like I was just so spot on. And instead of like really listening to my body. Right. 
and be like, okay, I just ate. Let me see how I feel. I just drank. Yeah. Let me see how I feel. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to force everything down. Yeah. And it was not, it was not happening. The exuberance got to you. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, when you're, uh, you know, so you're, you're getting sick, you're, I'm sure it multiple times in the, in the race, you're thinking like, I'm, I either won't finish, can't finish, won't hit the cutoff or whatever. And how much of the, um, how much of the significance is in your head in terms of what this means to other people? Um, do you have, like, is that a driving force? Do you wish that sometimes it's like a gnat that you just wish you could slap away and say like, no, this is just my race. Like, you know, mm. everybody else can do their own thing, but you know, like I, you know what I mean? For sure. I, I definitely took it as, um, you know, the, this is definitely my race and, and, you know, nobody is going to fault me for saying like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but I also, we had already put in so much work to get there. Yeah. Even though it was a short amount of time, you know, I already had the background in swimming. Yeah. Um, I had started marathon running or practicing. I did uh, long distance running and I had my first half marathon uh, April of 2019. Okay. Um, and it was a relay race we did in Oceanside, uh, California. And that being my first time running i ran an hour 39 in a half and, marathon and a half marathon and i hadn't yeah. run more than six miles before that Dude. you know so yeah so Dude, it was you're like flying it, on those i can't believe you can generate <laughs> that kind of speed with that sort of like outward you know sort of figure eight um uh, mm-hmm. uh motion that you're doing i didn't wow that's impressive and, it was, I, honestly, I give it up to the course because it was a nice course. Uh, whatever, um, it's still 13.1 <laughs> miles, man. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was an eye-opener for myself wow. and, and what I was capable of. And so once um, the Ironman slot came around, I was like, I just need to focus on the bike, yeah, which what, is my weakest. What do you think your potential is on that um, as a runner? Because, like, how much of that is mechanics versus fitness that, like, you know what I mean? I think, um, you know, they go hand in hand. Okay. Uh, the, the, it has to be the best alignment um, for distance running. And I definitely have to be doing my due diligence, whether it comes to um, strengthening my legs, core, um, and really just putting in that work. Did you feel like the two sort of, um, I, I don't even know, like, how to answer the question, but so, like, it sounds like you, that effort, uh endurance wise fitness wise you were depleted and you got the most out of your technique at the time you know yeah um yeah i definitely it was more so technique because once you find a rhythm um you can kind of keep going keep going okay but yeah even even when you're completely depleted like there can be that little bounce you know there's there's never a time where i'm not moving on my running legs you know okay well i cut you off so you were you were just getting ready to get, get jumping into the training on the bike and stuff yeah so um i mean that it was just a, a lot of zero to 100 on the bike yeah um and i think that's why i fell in love with it so much yeah because i put so much time on it just to be prepared and um in my mind i'm thinking you know uh, i would rather use a hand cycle than a standard bike you know because i trust my arms i know yeah. i know my arms can get me across can you, could you have used a standard bike? Do you have enough, um, 
I could have, and that's the way that Rudy did it. Okay. I did it, uh, his Iron Man, which is mind blowing to me. Wow. I, wow. I've tried the standard bike and it's just no fun. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Like what's your max, like what would you top out speed wise? Do you have enough musculature and everything to generate like a tremendous amount of force to, I mean, again, the queen K you've got crosswinds, you've got headwinds, you're, you know, mm -hmm. you're out there exposed. For sure. I mean, my, my wattage wasn't anything too high. Um, and, you know, I think I did the whole race, the whole bike course in close to nine hours. Okay. But, um, excuse me. Um, yeah, it wasn't anything, anything too crazy. Yeah. Nothing too mind blowing. Yeah. Thinking back. Uh, but um, downhill, those downhill, I, I could definitely catch some speed. I think it's because <laughs> I was just so just so low and heavy that I just caught any kind of momentum. How much does one of those bikes weigh? Uh, it depends. Like, I think mine is 50. Holy smokes. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, if it's anywhere close to that, I mean, you're pushing two and a half times what, what some of those, you know, nice carbon aero bikes right. are. Exactly. Uh, damn. Damn. Man, that is impressive. <laughs> you're a, you're a you. machine, dude. Wow. What's um uh what's next out there for you? You're you're training for the Paralympics right now. Is there word mm -hmm. on that yet? Are are they definitely happening? Are we We're still TBD yeah. as far as I know. Um okay. a lot of competitions are on pause until we find out. Um you know, as it's, it's, I feel like the time right now is just to focus on, on keeping my hopes up. Yeah. Um, if things don't turn out that the Olympics are going to happen, then so be it. You know, I, I think we want to focus on life as opposed to just the Paralympics right now. And if that means that we need to care for others by not letting this happen and, and let everybody stay home, then. It's understandable. You know, yeah. we've done it already. It's supposed to be last year. We pushed it back once. Yeah. Um, it's tough because, you know, you want to obviously put in all this work. You want it to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much a back and forth yeah. situation. It's cool to see still the, the reverence for the Olympics and the Paralympics. Like I've just ever since um, the first, the first Olympics I remember was 76 and that was like Nadia Comaneci and, you know, I mean, just all the, uh, it was just, I just remember the Olympics. It was, I don't know, man, it, it is always had such a, such a massive place in my heart. I don't care where I am, whatever it is, every four years, like I'm glued to my TV for the whole three weeks to, to mm -hmm. watch it all. So it's cool to see like, that's this dream that you're living out. And, you know, that's, I, I just love that. Um, going back to Kona real quick, did did it make it easier that, um, like, did Rudy's DNF some, like, I don't know, take some pressure off of you, like, knowing that, okay, even even Rudy didn't finish this, or did it, like, did it make it more daunting, or did it somehow make it, um, I don't know, less daunting in a, in a way? I think um, knowing that there's a possibility that you won't make the cutoff, you know, I, I think that for me, it was like, okay, well, then I, it's just where I am. You know, I didn't make the cutoff if I, if I wasn't fast enough. Um, and I know that that's okay. That just means I need to come back another year. Yeah. Um, the only reason in my mind is because it's been from 2009 to 2019. You know, it's been 10 years and we, 
we still haven't had a double amputee come out and, and complete this course. Yeah. You know? And Rudy was our 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 champion. Like this is our guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the guy to get it done. Yeah. Um, so for me it was like for him to to be out there with me and and to see his friend from yeah. when they were little yeah. to now being out on this course. And uh, you know, th- there's never been a double above the amputee running on the yeah. the run course. And then Oh, that's right, because you know, it was he didn't make the bike cut off. And then to fast forward to 2019, uh, I don't know if this was allowed, but Rudy definitely met me out on the course with his running blades on. And we're just running a good mile, two miles together. That is awesome. Um, and it's just like we're making history and we're, we're trying to make a stand. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. Man, that, and that's cool. It's like little brother kind of, you know, mm-hmm. coming back. And do you ever like uh, when you guys are having lunch or whatever, you know, it's, you know, when he kind of, if he's jawing at you a little bit, you're like, oh, how many how many times have you finished Kona? I forget. Uh, like, do you ever, <laughs> do you ever throw those at him? You know, you know what's funny? I've I've actually never, right. like, never have. You I don't ever you don't seem him. like the type. <laughs> no, I, you know, because this is one of those things. Like, how could I? Like, I oh, know how hard it is. Yeah. I would be like, <laughs> yeah, like of course, like I yeah. understand it's tough. Yeah, he's, he'd probably like you know. Well, I've been in I've been in two more Olympics and you finished right. Kona, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's got four games on me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you? Would you? I think you just said it, but would you have gone back and done it again had you not hit the cutoff? Um, I I would have for sure, and I I could see myself doing it again. Um, only because I didn't have much time to train. Yeah. You know, I would love to to put in more time and see how fast I can go. Yeah. Um. But I feel like that experience was more than just, um, you know, it was for CAF, as for as for anybody really living with a disability. Yeah. Um, but it it plays such a huge mark in, in my family and um, just the hope and, and the drive I've seen in them since has been remarkable. Yeah. And I'm 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 glad to play like the small spark in that. You know. I think it's a big spark, dude. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, it's funny. Have you ever been to the dinner in New York, the Challenge Athletes Foundation? Yes, yeah. Dude, I mean, if you go to that thing and you don't cry, like you're not, you're not <laughs> human. That thing is so inspiring. But it, it's, um, I mean, just again, as I've, I've been sort of living in your, in your um, footsteps the last couple of days, just doing some research and watching some things. And I mean, it's just, it's cool because, um, Again, I think people turn to sport for stories like yours, and you're so damn humble about it. And I think that comes, I mean, again, I'm speculating here, but I think a big part of that comes from the sacrifice that your mom made. And so it's like, it's kind of auto-humbling. You know, it's like, mm. I'm only in this position because of the sacrifices that my mom made for me. But like I just, you know, uh, I mean, just huge amount of respect for you and how you've lived your life to this point and the, and the way you've handled the, the meeting of these challenges. Um, just congratulations on all that stuff. Cause it's, it's, it is inspiring. It's very inspiring, inspiring, and it's a huge spark. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, what was I going to ask you the, Oh, you had mentioned this before. And I thought it was kind of funny. Like the, the, and, and it's, I'm sure it's always like well-intentioned, but the people who are sort of, um, uh, like always asking, you know, like if they could help you or, or, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, um, I don't know, like the, like the people who don't realize, 
I guess, who you are, what you've been able to accomplish and all of that stuff, you know, like the, the misplaced kindness in a way, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you're out there like doing triathlon or whatever, you know, have you, have you experienced a lot of that? Yeah. You know, especially living in New York. Um, yeah. and then I'm reminded that people are going to see what they want to see. Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of what I've done, if people don't know, they're going to see somebody with a disability yeah. and then they're going to feel obliged to help or, um, you know, whatever the situation might be. Yeah. Um, I, I never take any, like, I'm never angry about that sure. because I'm more so I'm happy that the person wants to help. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those situations where, you know, I don't think everybody wants help. Yeah. Or if they did, they would ask for it. Yeah. Or maybe suggest it, like, or may I? And then from there, if they do, then help. If not, then, you know, yeah, still a good person for asking. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine you handling that with grace. But, uh, yeah, that it's just always funny to me. that I just had Ashley Winchester on the podcast who... She's like this badass. She's actually Jason Hardrath's girlfriend. The the, FK, the king of FKT is dating the queen of FKT. And so she's like a guide on Mount Shasta and does all these amazing things. And and like every time she's out on this solo adventure, there's she said there's always men who are like, uh, you know, like, where's your partner? Where is you? You know, can I help you with this? Uh, you know, hey, let me help you look at your map for you, you know, kind of thing. And she's just like, dude, <laughs> like... <laughs> she's got it yeah like, i got it i'm i'm just fine you know but you know you don't want to be a jerk about it either they're just trying to help but it is funny right um yeah you got to check and yourself I, on that i think that's just uh such a perception thing you know because i've definitely noticed with individuals <laughs> like sometimes people look at me but are not looking at me whatsoever you know they look at they look at the legs or they look at you know they might be seeing whatever they want to see you know but rarely do I have people look at me? Yeah. Myself. And then from there, have it build. And I shouldn't say rarely. I, I would say those people that do are rare. Yeah. You know, they're they're one of a kind. How do how do you prefer to be approached in, in that? Because I think that's that's probably something that maybe people struggle with was like, how do I mm-hmm. how do you sort of, you know, it's like um, I don't want to act like there's nothing different and be patronizing about it, but you know what I mean? Like, what's the, I guess, how do you like to be approached in that way? I mean, I think it's something that's fine with being acknowledged. Um, it doesn't have to be immediately into, oh, what happened? Tell me how you lost <laughs> right. your legs, you know? Total but stranger. Can, yeah, it's just like, I had to learn that the hard way that I don't have to just tell these like crazy stories all the time. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think... You know, there's nothing wrong with coming up and, and asking, like, uh, you know, or just out of curiosity. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But to also be aware that that person has their own day. Yeah. That they're going about. Sure. Um, and to treat them like that, like you want to be treated. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe start by introducing yourself, not just walking right. up going, hey, what, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Hey, how, to, how did this happen to you? Yeah. Like, that's going to make me want to keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I don't speak English. <laughs> or just hand them a card with like the whole thing written out. There's like, here, you read it at your leisure. <clears throat> yeah. That's a good one. I need to do that. Yeah, there you go. Just make some cool stuff up too. Yeah. Uh, we, I have a few stories. I definitely yeah. have a few that I just have in my back pocket. It yeah. depends on the age usually. Got it. 
Yeah. Do you do you like mess with kids when they ask about it and stuff and tell them it was like oh, space yeah. wars and stuff? Oh yeah. I for them I'll I'll you know, I'll try to help the parent out. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't listen to my mom and, <laughs> oh, and then <laughs> from there it's, they just look at their parent like oh shit. like wow. Oh yeah, kid, yeah. it could happen to you. Yeah, I I try my best to help the parents out. That's <laughs> I, awesome. I don't do the veggies anymore. Because some kids are still like, shoot, I'll keep eating candy. <laughs> oh, wow. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm no, not eating my broccoli. <laughs> if I get those cool-ass blade legs, I'm, gonna, I'm not eating my broccoli. It's a win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win. I get candy and prosthetic legs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I wasn't using my normal ones anyway. I was just on my phone all day. Who cares? <laughs> oh, wow. So what's next for you? What... Um, what uh, like as far as the um, so the Paralympics are going to happen or they're not going to happen um, professionally, all that kind of stuff. Like where where's mm-hmm. where's your life going from here? Again, you're still such a young guy. You got like three lifetimes ahead of you. I'm I'm honestly just focused on looking for work, um, thinking about going back to school to get my master's, but okay. I haven't really committed yet. Um, and yeah, so if the Paralympics don't happen, there's still things to be done. Got it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I'm still hoping they have it. <laughs> yeah. How long are you in, in Colorado Springs for as part of this? Is it dependent on it, whether or not the Paralympics um, happen? Not, nece- not necessarily. I've been looking to move back here for a while. Okay. Um, and if I can find a decent job out here while I'm here, and I can see myself staying for a good amount of time. Cool. Um, and also, if I'm looking to pursue training for the Paralympics for another quad, uh, this is the place that I think would be best to train. So, yeah. What kind of work you myself here? Um, you know, I've been going to a few prosthetic companies to see what they have to offer. Um, I feel like that's where I can do the most or be the most help. Uh, but you know, it's still yeah. very much up in the air. Yeah, like product development, sales, engineering, like what kind of all of it? More so sales. Yeah. Um, product development i would like to yeah uh, i think that just depends on who i get involved with yeah yeah well if you're listening out there roderick is available so uh hit him up for sure for sure uh we normally do a little thing called uh, 10 question dash you want to answer some questions and have a little fun <laughs> all right let's all right, do cool. it cool let the listeners get to know you a little bit better um okay what's your uh what's your gear looking like question number one so like shoe brands and all that good stuff uh hoka hoka Okay. Any, what would, who makes your bike? Top end. Top end. Never heard of them. Cool. All right. Very good. Um, next race. So do you have a race lined up between now and, um, uh, the Paralympics? Are you doing anything fun? There's a cycling race in Huntsville, Alabama, April 17th, I believe is the date. Cool. All right, well, we're all crossing our fingers that that bike race actually happens. So please, mm-hmm. please, God, bring racing back for all of us because we need <clears throat> um, Do you have like a favorite sports book or movie or, or uh, anything like that? Oh, classic. Remember the Titans. Oh, boom. Love it. All right. Good job. Uh, what's your favorite race? My is it Kona? favorite Kona is probably the number one right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kona. Yeah, it gotta be Kona. I mean, it's such a you know, it's a it's a good flex too. Oh, my favorite, yeah, Kona World Series. Yeah, that one, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your bucket list race? Bucket list race. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, maybe English Channel. Ooh, nice. 
Have you ever looked at, uh, there's a 12 mile swim from uh, Gibraltar to Morocco. And I just, like it's 12 miles, it's across the Mediterranean. But like to be able to swim from Europe to Africa and like pull yourself up on the beach of Morocco and like, yeah, I just, you know. What's that'd be up? pretty cool. What's up, ladies? <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's like, I don't know, I, I'm not a strong enough swimmer to make it 12 miles across the Mediterranean, but uh, yeah, it's like 50,000 bucks. The Red Cross goes with you and kind of keeps the sharks away and stuff. And um, yeah. yeah, maybe after maybe after the Paralympics, that's a, that's a good challenge for you. That's a badass that's a new, one. That's a new bucket list. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, you said you listen to music and stuff. What's your, what's your like home stretch, like get you across the finish line song or band or artist? Home stretch, get you across the finish line. Um, there's this new, I, I, should, I guess he's considered new. His name is Toby Nguigwe. Okay. Um, he's a rapper that I've recently started listening to. He's very, very positive. Okay. Um, which I like. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody that... Yeah, who, say the last name again. I know. Um, Nuigwe, N-W-I-G-W-E. Okay, I'll check them out. Cool, all right. What's the most uh, What's the most embarrassing uh, artist or band on your playlist? <laughs> um, embarrassing artist or band on my playlist? Um... I guess uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't consider them embarrassing, but I still rock boys to men. <laughs> <laughs> they played up in uh, Winter Park last summer, uh, um, or two summers ago. Uh, yeah, my wife and I were gonna. We had some friends in town. We were all gonna go up there and watch them, and, and for whatever reason, we didn't end up going up there. But that would have been a good oh, show. Yeah, yeah, I, for I don't sure. Remember what happened? Something. Yeah, it was like sitting out in the middle of Winter Park in the summer, and you know, it was like boys to oh. men. It was a good concert. Yeah, it was a bunch of good people. Uh, do you have a pre-race ritual or superstition? Um, usually just stretching, um, okay. just getting my mind in the zone. Got it. Okay. Uh, two more questions. Living or dead, who would you most like to share a long run, ride, adventure, whatever with? Mm, good question. It's a really good question. Um, I would have to say Malcolm X. Malcolm X, very good. For sure. All right. What would you What would you ask him? Just, <laughs> just to give me like a rundown. Of, yeah. He, he's just gone through so many different life changes. Yeah. And so many realizations to come to a point to call everyone brother or sister. Yeah. Um, that uh, yeah, I would just like to see from his from his word of mouth. Very cool. Last question: What is the secret? What is the secret? Yeah, just an easy little question. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, it's internal. Internal. Look within. Love it. Very good. Awesome, man. Well, anything else you want to leave uh, our listeners with? Um, that's it for me. Uh, thank it. you again for having me on your show. I, oh. I really do appreciate this. Oh man, my pleasure is all mine. It's been fantastic. I've been really looking forward to our conversation. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I wish you nothing but the best. Again, I hope that that race in Alabama happens. I really hope the Paralympics come back and you make the team and you're on <laughs> it and you're, you're out there kicking ass. I'll definitely be watching and cheering you on. So, uh, good luck with all that. Thank you so much. Yeah, indeed. 
So that is the show, uh, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. More people racing, more often having more fun in the process is our mission at Athlinks. Thanks again to Roderick Sewell and Challenged Athletes Foundation for setting up this chat. We do a special post for each episode on Instagram, so look for the post for episode number 31 with a badass pick of Roderick. If you have any comments or questions, we are at Athlinks or shoot us an email to podcast at athlinks.com if you have comments or questions um, or like future guest suggestions or anything you got. The best way to support the podcast is to click subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to be notified of new shows and take a sec to give us a quick rating and review. As always, share it with friends far and wide to help spread the word and grow the show and uh, help more people find finish lines around the world. And until next time, happy racing, everybody. Mm -hmm.